Hertz podcast for December 19th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Uh, this week, our show is going to be dictated by the listeners. Uh, we asked for some questions. We got some, and some of the questions were on the topic of teams we were going to talk about anyway. So we'll, we'll give you guys the credit. So uh, without further ado, we're just going to kind of jump into it. So, we ready? We certainly are. Dan the Man, 5234. What the hell do you do if you're Colorado this year? Just chalk it up as a lost season, new coach, and seemingly nothing changed. They needed to, they need some defensemen, basically, is where they're at. They've got no one pushing the play, and it's hard for the forwards. And they've got some high-talented forwards there, but there's just no depth anywhere in the lineup, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's going to be one of those situations where I think it's going to be tough for some Colorado fans to accept, but Joe Sack, that that whole front office has got to go. It's not It often doesn't work to bring in heroes or champions of an organization to have them run stuff. I've not... Can you name me somewhere where it's worked? Uh, the closest I can think of is maybe Bobby Steve Clark. Eiserman was an assistant GM in Detroit, but he's gone on to not be there. Mario Lemieux is not quite a GM, so I don't think he counts. Well, you can't count that. But uh, I would have thought Bobby Clark, Clark was, before... got him to a few cups, but yeah, he, I, I suppose he wasn't... Uh, I think when the cap came in, things started to get a little more our, difficult. Our, our, the challenge we're having right here right now is probably proving the point. It's just being a champion of a franchise doesn't mean you're going to be able to run that franchise particularly well. You look at the Oilers, it was a disaster. Um, oh, that's a yeah, good example of the not You know so what I mean? Uh, Pat LaFontaine has flamed out with the Sabres twice. He's been with the Islanders. Yeah, so... You know, it's one of those. For me, it's an argument um, for using people from outside of the sport to try and help uh, analyze uh, players and, and decision making and stuff like that. But it didn't help that Eric Johnson went down. Top, you know, Barry's going backwards, and you're relying on a bunch of not sure if they're any good and guys that are over the hill for their back end, and that's just not going to help. Because yeah, I got a couple of superstars up front. Yeah, and and you know, Colorado, um, more so with Wah, but they have a history of blaming the better guys as opposed to, well, maybe these depth guys don't give us anything when the the top end guys go cold, which we know happens to everybody, except yeah. Sid this year. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on, he missed. He hasn't scored in two games at the moment. So what can they do? Hope for a really nice draft pick again. I would trade a Ginla and get some futures for him. I would be trading any veteran of that caliber. Blake Como, if you could find a taker. Uh, Rene Bork. Francois Beauchemin. Those kind of guys. I'd even try to find somebody for Varlamov, but I don't think you'll find anybody because Colorado is... Twenty-eighth in the league in goaltending, even strength save percentage of just nine zero eight nine two five is the league average this year. That is up 
from nine to one in previous years. Jesus. Okay. So nine oh eight in a year where the average is bumped up four points. Not gonna cut it. So nope. goaltending's nope. been crap. They're twenty ninth in uh, score adjusted Fenwick at forty six point one. So they are crappy at possession still, even without Wah. They are crappy at goaltending. And as a result, I believe they're 29th in goals four per 60 at even strength. So they are pretty much crappy at the hockey thing. So <laughs> uh, losing is winning again. I know that's not going to be good to hear to the Avs fans out there, but, you know, at this it's, point, you're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, as, a, as a hockey fan, I was glad that Wah left, if that makes sense. Since I don't think he was good for that franchise in regards to the type of hockey he, he thought w- was going to help Colorado win. Um, you are asking an awful lot of, of Bender to come in and instill what he wants to instill in such a short space of time. And then to, to lose, you know, you can make an argument whether Barry or Johnson's their most important defensive, but to lose Eric Johnson... Um, for as long as they have, and to have Tyson Barry go backwards, it's you know a recipe for disaster, really. So they're just going to have to, um, yeah, scratch it as a as a lost season and 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 move forward. I mean, it sucks for you know McKinnon, Deshane, and and Landeskog because it's yet another year that they move further away from their prime. I mean, if I'm them, I want out. Yeah, well, they've committed to all of them. For a while, I mean, Duchesne's been on the block numerous occasions. Duchesne's probably just can't wait to get out. And why wouldn't he? Well, with how he's been treated, yeah, you, you kind of can't blame him for that at all. He's going nowhere fast. McKinnon only signed there because what choice does an RFA have? They're a bit of a mess, aren't they? And there's no, from what I can gather for the the draft the upcoming draft, this isn't a, a Conor McDavid or an Austin Matthews-style draft, is it? There isn't somebody that's at that kind of level. Um, well, I'll have to defer to our uh, draft folk. The fact I can't name the top prospect off the top of my head, and I've heard the name, I just can't. That's kind, that's kind of my point. doesn't feel like they're going to get a franchise-changing player in this particular draft. I think he it's got bad and he can't play in the World Junior, so... I know oh, of him. Okay. I know of him. I just... Yeah. But you're so right. It could, be, it could be a bad year to be bad. I mean, Connor McDavid, all. I went out of my way to go see an Erie. You did too, that's right. You went for a little bit of a drive. Well, I went to Pittsburgh and then Erie, so... And, um... I mean, even Eichel, you heard about in college hockey, uh, Austin Matthews uh, going o- off to Europe. So, But that aside, we know the probability of having a successful NHL player is greatly enhanced being in that top five. So, Bingo. <laughs> you you got to do it anyways. Yeah. No, no, I know. It's, just, it's one of those things where there are, there are times to be bad and then there are times to be bad. And... Being bad when Connor McDavid's up is a good thing. Just ask the Penguins with Mario. And, um, you know, then there's times where you're up when there's Patrick Stefan. So it just it just changes. Yeah, Pittsburgh uh, has mastered the when to be bad 
uh, phenomenon. They certainly have. So for, for those poor people in Colorado, it's going to have to wait a couple of years before it's going to turn around. Really? Like it's, it, they really should tear it down and build it back up. But got to get rid I of the decision trust. makers, in my opinion. They filled yep. out very terrible depth. Like yep. making they signings just... like Blake Como. And I know it's only $2.4 million and I don't mean to pick on Blake Como. But he played an entire year with Evgeny Malkin. And if you're going to go by counting statistics on a year where the quality of teammate was insanely high and expect that to transfer to um, a team that does not have Evgeny Malkin, I mean, and he's what, not what are we doing play. here? Yeah. Uh... Signing Jerome again, like what, what was that? Particularly for the amount they're signing for. He, he, you're right. He will be on a different team come trade deadline day. I no doubt about that. And what are they going to get for him? Second round draft pick. Maybe. Well, Again, didn't exactly uh, garner a ton when Pittsburgh got him. Got a first no, round pick and a bunch of guys that you never made a sniff. Never eventuated. Um, I don't know, but you're right. The, the, they just have to to scrap it from the top and, and start again. So it'll be interesting to see uh, when that takes place because they've just forked out money. They just forked out money for Bedner, right? So if you get rid of the GM, as Florida showed us, the new general manager is going to want to put in his coach. It's just how it works. I don't know enough about the coaching. I'm just looking at the, the roster construction. You go heavy with analytics, you can get some depth players that aren't going to drown you. That's probably the best value of analytics. It's not the top end stuff. We can all kind of. You can all say that, yeah. It's the middle tier to bottom tier where you can get some gains, and I don't think Colorado's done that at all. And they famously have uh, kind of taken a shit on analytics, and here they are. So. No surprise for me, basically, that that's where they're at. <laughs> Um, transferring to a surprise in a good way um, that neither of us saw, I don't think, and many people that uh, had prediction models this year, I don't think saw. Um, So next question. Anna Manderas, 84. What are your thoughts on the Columbus Blue Jackets? Just lucky? Their success is surprising, given last year's record. Um. Yes, and here's um, here's what happened last year. Was that when Bob got hurt at the beginning? Of the uh, Bob played terribly, then got hurt, then came back and was terrible. Their goaltending was awful last year. That's they're, pretty much their underlying numbers two, before Tortorella there are got two hired. Okay. For, there, are two, there are two changes from last year to this year. One is goaltending, and the other one is their defense. Yes. Um, Here's where I think we both came up short. I think we undersold Jay, uh, Zach Wierenski. You reckon? <laughs> yeah, he's 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 been awesome at just what they needed. Yep. No, I. I There's a totally team that's not worried it. about how good he's playing defense or all that nonsense. It's this guy can help us in transition. He's offensively talented. Let's let's give it a go. And hey, um, credit great. to the coach who I didn't think would change his spots. Yeah, and they signed a guy like Gregory Campbell and then decided, hey, this is, no, this is dumb. Let's not do this. And they terminated his contract the other day. So I think they've 
started to see uh, the light a little bit. And I think another big thing for them, Sam Gagne, I thought was a clever little signing because at even strength, they shelter the crap out of him and they give him power play time, which maximizes his skill set. His ability, exactly. So that makes Put players in positions to succeed. I think that's reasonably logical, but doesn't happen everywhere. So Seth Jones, Ryan Murray, and Zach Wierenski, that's a good three. It is. Even Jack Johnson's uh, not suffocating anymore because... He's play, he playing I, with Wierenski? Is he? No, that was, the, that, was a, that was a question. I don't know. I was just about to say I haven't uh, dived into... Kind of. Come on, Mr. McCurdy, where are your play with graphs, hey? <laughs> I'll... Anyways, while you while you look that up, Columbus Thank is you. the fourth best team in possession this year. Score adjusted Fenwick of 52.8. That's very good, obviously. Uh, big key that we alluded to why they weren't good last year, this year, they're fifth overall in uh, even strength save percentage at 940. So pucks are not going in their net. Bob has been on fire. And if he can stay healthy, he will keep it together. Actually, Jack Johnson's been with David Savard. How did you beat me to that? Good. Yeah, you are. And they are together 54%. Hell is frozen over. It has. How the hell? <laughs> that happened. Listen to you. I love that. <laughs> Kudos to him. He's been yep. terrible for a long time, though. Yeah, it's... David Savard's uh, their best possession defenseman. Surprising. Wonder if that's a bottom pairing thing. Hey, and, and if throwing Jack Johnson into a bottom pairing role and not having him go out against quality like top quality of competition, smart way to do it. The only way to do it if you're going to employ it. I I agree, and it would be a massive change from Tortorella's attitude prior to this season and every other year that he's coached for him to have done this. So. For a man that's just won his 500th game, um, it's a good job because you'd assume he'd be pretty set in his ways considering that he has been, regular season-wise, pretty successful. Okay, I, I dug into it a little bit here. Since 2011-12, when Jack Johnson showed up to Columbus, he's averaged per game 27 minutes, 25 minutes, 20, almost 25 minutes, 24 minutes, 24 minutes. Now he's at 21 this year. He's definitely lost some top-line minutes there. So, uh, good good coaching, dare I say. Yep. So, I have a feeling he's just going to keep saying he doesn't believe he can do it. <laughs> uh, are they lucky? No. I think their success is much deserved. Possession and goaltending have been great. Yep. And I'm assuming their shooting percentage isn't something ridiculously high. Well, I didn't quite look into that. Fifth overall, <laughs> or no? Sorry. Yeah, but it's you can still make that same no, argument. Oh too. wait, fifth overall in both save and shooting. PDO a little bit, but um, Bob's a really good goalie. So even if it 
drops off a little bit, I, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't expect a huge drop off there. It's not going to have a massive yeah drop. So Columbus, a good surprise team this year. So when, it's truly funny. Right now, did you have them pegged for last? I know I did. Uh, if it wasn't last, it was pretty close. I wasn't expecting to see them be this good. But, I mean, you have a look at a lot of that Metro division. There have been some massive early season streaks going on. So there are some teams that are obviously playing very good hockey at the moment. The Rangers went on a big tear. Philly have just come off a 10-game winning streak. Washington was on a six-game winning streak. I think Pittsburgh was on a seven-game winning streak at some stage. Um there are some teams at the moment that are playing really good hockey in that Metro division, and you sit there and Columbus, in amongst all of that, still can't get higher than third in the division. So they are going to have to come back down to earth with some of their play at some stage. But like you said, they're pushing the play. Neither of us really expect Bob to fall off the map when he comes back down to something that's more career average. Um, I can't see them falling out of the playoffs and I, I could see them challenging for that number one spot in the Metro, which I was expecting them to be bottom five in the league. Really? I think Wierenski and Bob are the two biggest factors. Yep. And I think a, a change of what the coach has got them to do. You know, there've been many articles out lately in regards to Tortorella allowing the kids to make mistakes and just throwing the back end on the ice. And, well, lo and behold, they learn from their error and they go ahead and become a better player. Yeah, it's funny how that works. When there's not pressure on a young player, knowing that one mistake won't cost them their job, they stop pressing and they start playing. You don't want to be thinking too much when you're on the ice in the NHL. It's got to be reactionary. You don't have time, as far as I can tell. (laughs) So, I guess the last thing, Brandon Sod's killing it, 3.18 points per 60. That's well above top-line level, and that's almost a 30-game sample, so that's a really nice start for him. Scott Hartnell, 2.62. That's really good, too. He's he's an interesting case, Hartnell. Every time, every year, you sort of think he's going to go back a step. He doesn't really fall off the map, does he? He's a really good player. He is. I just think I hated him so much because he used to play. He plays his style and his age. You'd think that, you know, he's definitely in that range of what year is it going to be, but, you know, not Not yet. yet. Hmm. Not yet, definitely. Any other uh, Columbus thoughts? Uh, No, not on CBJ. I I think I'm good there. All right. What is next? Tampa? You want to do Tampa? Yeah, let's try and work out what's going on in poor old Tampa. All right. Jordan 16 Faulkner. Large enough sample size to be concerned with Tampa. Bishop struggling. Need a top four D-man behind Strawman and Hedman. Those were all questions. Um, <laughs> I think the sample's starting to get large enough to where, uh, yeah, they should be concerned. It's nice they were here last year, points. though, as well. What's that? They were here last year as well, though, about this time. Yeah. But the, the I was going to call it the, it's the Atlantic, right? 
I believe so. Okay. They're only four points out of third spot of the Atlantic, but they're eight points behind the second wild card spot. I don't care what the wild card says. Or we're... The wild card is chasing a Metro team. That's how far back there. That yeah, that's exactly right. Because the Metro's sending five at this rate. Yeah, I, you, there'd have to be a complete drop off somewhere. There'd have to be a couple of catastrophic injuries for it to uh, fall apart there. Jeez, even Carolina caught him. And Florida's going to start to play better. Cause Huberto, well, they have been. They're just not getting the results. Huberto will be back soon. So I do have concerns about Tampa because Montreal is playing really good. Ottawa, surprisingly, is up there. That's another team that you probably didn't think you'd have to battle with. Boston has been great. I think they've been the number one possession team in the league for the last stretch. I can't yep, get my head yep, around still that. there. Uh, Rask is playing good. That's going to be a tough team to bounce out. <laughs> and now Carolina is up there too. So where well, we know Stamkos is there, right? But they've handled missing Stamkos before. Yeah, but it's not always easy to do. No, I wasn't suggesting that. And the the question did what the question was in there. Do they need a top four defenseman? Now, they're not the only team in that situation where a top four defenseman would certainly help them out. Yeah, I'm sure they could use one. I mean, Hedman and Strawman are awesome. But past that... Braden Coburn's not a top four defenseman anymore. Andre Schuster's not quite there yet. Garrison... Not so much. No. So I tell you what, they're very much like Pittsburgh. If one of actually Coburn's our leading him, possession guy, he's not doing terrible. Sorry, say that again. Coburn's leading him, possession-wise. And I'd wonder whether he's got sheltered minutes in doing that. Because you. If they lose Hedman or Strowman for for a month, there it's going to hurt them severely. They need to trade Bishop, use that cap space this year to get something else to help them out. But yes. I say that knowing that's not easy to do. Well, here's 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 the issue. They are 16th overall in goaltending, 924, so they're one tick below league average. Well. In my opinion, and it's always been, you can find league average. So, especially when Vasilevsky's behind you. They got to trade him for help now. Bishop? Yes. Thank you. They got to trade so Bishop where, now. Where do you want to put that help? I, on defense, ideally. Or, yeah. You know what? The goalie market's fucked up. You got to take is. what you can get. <laughs> really? I mean... There is no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. Most times. If you can get a good deal, just take it. What do you class as a good deal, though? Like, It's a great question. Who needs a goalie? Dallas? 
But there's yeah, but just, they're loaded up with goalies. There's a saturation of goalies that need to be moved, and nobody wants to play musical chairs and just shuffle the goalies around. You know what I mean? Like Tampa need to get rid of Bishop for generally the same reasons that Pittsburgh need to get rid of Fleury. Generally for the same reasons that Dallas, Dallas need, to get rid of, <laughs> need to get rid of theirs as well. And you go. Well, you know, Colorado could do it just to shake up a net, but then all of those teams we just mentioned don't want to have Balamov come back because it defeats the purpose of trading away the asset they're looking to move. So the goalie market is completely screwed right now. So I don't know where they're going to get rid of Ben Bishop so they get an asset or something back for him before he walks because they're not going to re-sign him, surely. No. It's tough. It's tough to to peg the value of them. I agree. Positional players this year, it doesn't feel too hard to try and have a decent stab at what somebody's worth, but goalies, on the other hand, is just blah. Who knows an injury could happen. That would change. Oh, and then it'll change. Yeah, then dominoes. But you're exactly right. I mean, the freeze comes on at, what, 12 o'clock or something today? Is that it? Oh, so nothing, nothing will happen until the 27th, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's been too much talk, at least that I've heard about goalies being moved in, in as of today, so. Hasn't really been a lot of talk of players in general being moved, though, either. Like, that's the, that's the thing. As Penguins fans, you just sort of sit there waiting for the Rutherford to do something around about now because historically that's what he's done in the past but um, there hasn't really been a lot of movement for, from anyone and I haven't really heard or read anything from anyone saying that they, they that they think something's going to happen so it's like Ugh. Do you want to bleed that into our flurry question? Yes uh, EMS 092186 would you jump Mark Andre Fleury for nothing in return if the counterparty in the deal took his entire salary? What's your answer? <clears throat> I've always said that cap space was the most valuable, but yeah. I, I, I did, however, feel that was more of an off-season thing. The cap space being important, I thought they could have made improvements in the summer using some of that money. Right now, they got a pretty strong roster. <coughs> I know they got injuries, and we'll talk about those definitely. But um, the cap space was always my thing. You got a goalie already there. You won a Stanley Cup with. He makes six hundred grand. He's going to make close to four next year. You don't need a six million dollar backup. No, 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 no. And to be perfect, <laughs> every every GM has a blind spot. Jim Nils is just a very expensive one. Um. The one thing that I think might help Pittsburgh in trying to move Fleury is the fact that this year, this particular... Well, actually, yeah, this year, once the clock turned to 2016, Fleury's had absolutely no luck. He had the two concussions, he missed his playoff run, and then this particular season, pucks are bouncing in off his head, he's getting cut by a skate, his own teammates are hitting him in the head. It's like, if I was him... You just want the clock to change on twenty on the twenty seventeen, and maybe go for a change of scenery and not and, and not have the terrible luck. The change of scenery is happening. It has to. It's Rutherford just a question is, of... has already 
alluded to it. Whereas before he said that he's not trading him during the year, well, that's kind of gone away. They, they look, to be perfectly honest, the fact that Latang and um, Daly are out prove that this team needs a top four defenseman. Even when those two are back, they I need to try and find themselves. Yeah, I know. Specifically it's been a, the right side because Latang will usually miss the 15 to 20. Yeah, and Marta can't step up and play that role. <clears throat> no. Nobody can, but he no, well, certainly cannot. Schultz did it for one game, but as you said, he, you've got to do it game in and game out, and that's just not... Yeah, Schultz not against the Canes, great. Schultz against the Leafs, terrible. Fucking, fucking terrible. But that's that's Chris <laughs> Letang. Every night, he's great for the most part. Yeah. Like Every player has an exception here and there, but every night, Letang is driving play. Schultz got just kicked in against Toronto. He was like a 28% possession guy, and they had like 30-something shot attempts against. That's a bad Fleury night. Played, and Fleury played well in that game, and yet still lost a 2-1 game. Puck went in off his head, and he missed a poke check that he probably shouldn't have even tried to go for. So you just get there with the way he's playing at the moment, and you want to hope that if you're the general manager looking to acquire him – that it is just that change of scenery thing that'll stop him from running. He's trying too hard to to run through this bad stretch of, of goal. So he's pressing. Yeah, yeah. Funny that. Keep keep that um, in mind for a later topic in this podcast. Pressing. <laughs> when players don't get large samples of ice time, they go out. They try too hard Harder. to make it. Um. The time that they're given to make an impact. And when you're pressing, you make mistakes. Um, but it's, it's, you, still, you sit there with Fleury, though, and there's no market. I would um, I'd contact Calgary again. Why? Chad Johnson's doing exactly what they thought Elliot would do. Yeah, but they're not going to attach their wagon to Chad Johnson. What, you say that because it's not a smart move or because they're not smart enough to do that? Because NHL GMs need a name brand. It's proven time and time again. Well, to be perfectly honest, I hope you're right because... I would you could I, would, uh, I would just flip the goalies. I'd, I'd take Elliot. He can back up Murray. He's cheap. $4 million. Elliot's contract's up. Have a good yeah. day. Yep. I don't see a problem with that. At all, I'd try and fleece them and and yeah, yeah, yeah. just just try and see if you can wiggle Dougie Hamilton out there because they're stupid. But I doubt that'll happen. If you want to add Mata into that flurry for Elliot and uh, for Hamilton, I don't think it's a good deal for Calgary. But uh... oh, we both severely know that's a bad deal for Calgary, but it won't stop us from pushing it. It's about the third time I think we've mentioned it, isn't it? I just think you got to try these things. Hey, there's a phone. Pick it up. That's all we can ask. But yeah, I, I'm fine with the cap relief. Furthermore, the, uh, expansion stuff too. But I don't think Flurry will hold them to the fire with that no movement clause. I think it'll be a non-issue. I think he'll waive it if it came down to it. I, the only thing I would have against that would be... He'll wave it at the end of the year, and he'll go wherever. I don't know if he'll do that mid-year. No, no, I'm saying expansion draft. Oh, yeah, okay. So do you think he's unmovable now? It's tough to say unmovable. 
You know what I mean. But the trick for Flurry, unlike Bishop, is he's got two more years at five point seven five million. And that's the there you go, Jimmy Rutherford, silly boy. Yeah. Give him that march and that length, but no, 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 no trade. Jesus Christ, double negatives. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he gave it. He gave everything to him. Mm-hmm. I think they'll eventually get out of it, but I don't. Penguins will have done well if they get a good value back for Flurry in a trade, given how difficult the market can be. I, I think I think a victory well. would be not taking on any large, unattractive salary. Or retaining a lot of his. That's the other one. <clears throat> I would even say one mil's not bad. No, but two and a half or three, then you it's too much. I don't even think you can do three. I think there's only a certain percentage. I think three is What's over fifty. Three's over fifty, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think they'll have to retain. Something'll happen. Maybe an injury. I'm not rooting for an injury, but that stuff happens. Yeah, I know what you mean. Maybe Carolina. They got cap space and I know they have Ward, but I suppose it depends on how much they think they can catch the wild card. They're eight points out with two games in hand. Who? Carolina. If Carolina sneak up to trying to catch, like sneak up to the point where you go, you know what? It wouldn't just be a this year trade. He would have two years. No, I I, I realize that. They signed Ward for another year as well, though, and they've got Lackman. But they have cap space. I mean... Yeah, but they've got cap space not because they've assigned it that way. It's because they've got an internal cap. Yeah, but unfortunately, for life reasons, Bickle, he's a UFA. That's $4 million. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. Good call. Falk signed long-term reasonably. I, I just don't see any big-ticket items that they need to sign. No, that's true. I mean, the problem is they don't have any big ticket items, so. No, that's a good point. Gee, Skinner comes up before Stalls comes up again. That's a long contract they signed Stall for, wasn't it? Well, Pittsburgh tried it too. Yeah, but he would have been the best third line center in the league, not an average second line center. How old is young Jordan? 27. Hit 28. Wow. Time flies. Shows you how long he's been in the league, though, doesn't it? (laughs) He contract goes till 34. I was thinking money-wise, flurry for stall, but nah. Nah. No, 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 no. Love Jordan, but. Yeah, so did I. Oh, so do I. I'll, I'll watch Carolina games just to watch what he does. He's had some <laughs> concussions this year, too. Yeah, I know. Been unfortunate. Um, <clears throat> on to the next. Yep, yep, yep. 
think it's maybe Mate underscore Roni, M-A-T-H-E underscore R-O-N-I. They also asked about the Blue Jackets. Uh, we covered that. But can the Pens weather the storm until they get Daly and Latang back? Well, <coughs> yes. the thing about that <clears throat> is they're going to have to do it within the division. They have five Metro games in a row coming up after not having any for a while. And every team in the Metro is red hot. So that's tough. It's funny, though. If they lost all five of those in a row, that's not going to destroy their season, right? But it's, it's very possible uh, that they lose more. I don't want to say it'll destroy the year, but that would be losing points to teams that are sniffing right on them. They're four-point ga- four games. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. When you lose these games, so they could effectively, instead of just losing you know, 10 points, they could effectively lose 20 points through the standings when you think about it because they're going to lose all those four-point games. Um, it's still not going to kill their year. They might not seed as well as they'd like. They might end up being a wild card, but they need to find out what they've got in a particular defender and, and then work out what they want to do with the roster once the other two get back. You know, let's take two weeks away. Do we actually have an end date for daily? Week to week, same. Week to week. Week okay. to week so, is what we have for both of them. Well, I thought I read two weeks for the Latang, which is eight games that he could potentially miss in that time span. So it shows you how condensed the schedule is for Pittsburgh with, with him out. And um, they just have to get by. I know they have two against New Jersey, and I think the first one's against the Rangers. Yeah, range is the first up. And that's t- tomorrow, I think. 20th. Yep. <coughs> I play Columbus on Thursday. And Carolina's in there. So, <clears throat> I think they can survive. I mean, they certainly have game breakers to where even if a team is not playing well, they can still get theirs. If you know what I mean. They had enough chance. They didn't play great against um, against Toronto, but they still could have won that. So, like like you said, it's it's possible for them to to win it. It'll be interesting to see how they travel without both of those guys. But it does show you the lack of depth that Pittsburgh have. When you know some people have said, maybe I've said it as well, that the Cole and Schultz pairing is probably the best second pairing, uh, best third pairing in the in the league, and then they've gone screw it, we'll just play him as the top pairing, and look what happens. Well, in their defense, somewhat, Toronto is the best shot attempt generation team in the league this year. Oh, I'm not I'm not suggesting it's 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 just their no, their I, fault. I know, I know, yeah, you're elevating it and it's distances. not guaranteed to work. Okay, so the elephant in the room, as always, with this defense discussion. Pouliot. Thought he's played well since being called up. He made a gaffe on the game-winning play. That is going to draw the most attention because it had the, the, the most immediate and negative result. 
But much like Flurry, I thought they both played well and had a, a sequence that they'd like to forget. And I would argue I'd focus on the larger sample than the than three on Lots three. Of, the larger picture. Yeah, I agree. We're talking about it's a three on three overtime session as well. It's funny, you know. Latang played basically with Mark Eaton through the whole playoff run, didn't he in 09? I think that sounds about right. As a third-pairing defenseman in a sheltered role, if I remember correctly. Oh, he was not a top four because, amazingly, they survived with Skidari Gill as a pairing getting top four minutes. Yeah. And um, Orpik. Orpik was actually okay still at that point. Yeah. And, and Gonch. And the Gonch. So, yeah. so, sort of my, my point here is that there's no, there's no bottom pairing slot for Pouliot to sneak into the lineup and make errors or, or be put into situations that are favorable for him to succeed right now. Um, you, you'd preferably want to play, you know, Shilton, Shilton College's second pairing defense and, and probably somebody with Pouliot in the third you know, in the third pairing, I'd say Marta, but they don't have that flexibility at the moment. I don't want to play with with Alexi. On a night where everybody got their asses kicked by the Leafs, he was at 60%. That's good. That doesn't mean he's great all of a sudden. That just means he can play in the NHL if you let him. But guess what? Well, Back to that whole pressing thing. Yeah, there it is. Ross I'm, I'm telling you, if you punish guys for isolated errors and immediately take away ice time, or in his circumstance, it's been, yeah, sorry, you're going back to the minors. When they're playing, they are going to just be thinking, okay, how do I not fuck up? How do I not fuck up? How do I not fuck up? That's not how you play. That's... That's a garbage mentality, but that's the mentality younger players have when, when there's a short leash, and that's where you get this change of scenery thing. Well, they don't need a change of scenery; they just need a reasonable leash. Hey, he's already come out and said he's frustrated with how he's being treated. He's, he said that after he got back from his injury. He obviously wants to play and prove that Here's the, he's, you know. A capable defender, and you know you don't blame any professional for wanting to prove that they can play at, at, at the elite level. So it, it would be driving him nuts at the moment. You know that error will be eating him up more than it'll be frustrating the coaching staff. I bet you any money. I don't think he's been great either. This is more of a philosophical argument. I think he's been fine. Well, yeah, and I don't think he's needed to be in the minors. And you it's know, a you, process. Watch, you watch some of the stuff, like. I mean, Mata, he gets gifted Niskin in his first year, and the aura surrounding Mata gets developed. Well, he was in a bottom pairing with a top-four defenseman, a legitimate good top-four defenseman, getting sheltered minutes. That bought him the biggest leash ever. Now, mind you, injuries have been a serious thing for him, but what about him has been good? They tried him out every night. What, at what point do you start reeling Marta's leash in, knowing full well that this team does follow numbers? Well, they can't right now. No, I, I realize that, but when we get back to having I mean, a healthy... That's how Puglia got in in the first place. 
you get what you get back to you get back to a healthy top six. I say keep Pulliot up and sit Marta. I, I I just get a it doesn't make sense to me when people get on Pouliot for a certain thing, but like Mata's been slow, Mata's been dusted. These things happen to him too. And Mata is not driving play uh with I, I think Mata has the ability to be a really good passer. Right? Yeah. But more times than not this year, he's not doing controlled exits. He's he's doing this the the old Skidari state you know, play it safe. Oh, we know what the Skidari is. I think we just call it the Skidari from now on and we know that it's chipping it up off the glass. Hey, are my are my eyes deceiving me, or is that more common with him now? I'd I'd love to get the zone exit data uh, to back that up. That's just my personal that, hypothesis right now. Is that Stimson or Corey Sh- or Schneider that's doing that? Well, they both are, but I just don't know how much Penguins data they have. No, that's that's the thing. Come on, boys, get on those Penguins. Um, <laughs> it's stuff so hard to track. I mean, it's no, I know, yeah, no, I know, and it is one of those things where you're right. I I, I agree with you. The eyes do. It does feel like you're seeing him flip it out a lot more often than he used to, but whether or not the numbers would convey that is something that we'd need to have a look at a, a lot deeper. But it definitely feels as though he's not breaking out of the zone with control, whether it be via a pass or skating it out himself um, anywhere near as often as he had in the past. His rookie year, 13-14, 1.01 points per 60 at even strength. That's really good for a defenseman. Only Matt Niskanen, his partner, 1.21 was better. Again, sheltered minutes, and a lot of that time is spent, you know, given the minutes Crosby and Malkin played at the time, you're eventually going to be playing with good players. Yeah, uh, the no, next year, he only it. played 20 games, 1.31. Really good. Like, that's superb. Last year, we're at 0.91. Still very good. And let's fast forward to this year. 0.24. Hello. If we're going to do results-based stuff. Yep. And he's one of the worst possession defensemen on the team. I'm on board. This team just feels like it's picked up a gear and he can't keep up. And that's what it looked like in the playoffs last year. And I put it down to the fact that he was injured. Um, but it just feels as though he's, he's lost a, a half a step on top of a stride that was already a little slow. His, I think his, his biggest pro was the generating offense at even strength. And this year, it it's not there. So if you're not really great on the possession front, you're not generating offense, what are we doing? Getting burnt. So while one guy gets a nightly spot, another guy has a ref. (laughs) That ref, by the way. (laughs) There's blame on Pouliot, and there's blame on that ref. I mean, even my men's league refs know to do a mini hop. They don't kick the freaking puck. They're paying attention. Um, Can't really blame Pouliot for looking up to see. Is, was it Mitch Marner? Mitch was chasing him from behind. 
The problem I had yeah. with Pouliot on that sequence was he got dusted by Marner on a uh, forward inside move in the slot. Not so much the ref the kick turnover. Away. Um, but Mitch Marner's so, going to do that to a lot of people in three-on-three three in his career. He's really good. Statistically, do you class that as a takeaway or a giveaway? I don't use those. No, but it's one of those things where it's like these are the things that, you know, most fans see because it's what gets rolled up on the TV. It's why I'm asking the question. I class that as a takeaway. Well, I, I look at it as our Pouliot's eyes were up the ice, uh, lost track of what was immediately in front of him, which wasn't a competitor. It was, I think, a strike. I think he had a general idea of where all the Maple Leafs were, and that's kind of what you want from him. But um, he didn't track the ref, and the ref was not paying attention, and it went off his skate, and Mitch Marner's really good, and Fleury uh, went with an all-or-nothing play and got nothing. That's what happens when you push. But Fleury, I've always said his poke check was one of his strengths, so I'm not really going to beat him up too bad on it. No. no. It's just unfortunate that it just looked like a yet another behind-the-net catastrophe that involved Marc-Andre Fleury, really. I will say Murray doesn't quite find himself out of the net like that often, and I like that kind of composed yeah. composure a little bit better in my goalie, but that's more of a eye test preference than a results-based. Because Dominic Hasek was all over the fucking place, and he's the best he of was. all time. So He was a mess. But the puck didn't go past him, so that's all that really matters. I think we have Anything else? One more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think I know the one you want. No, I have one more, and then you have one. Yep. Kevin... Hussey four, stellar work as always. Can you think of one reason Gensel should be in Wilkesbury and that power play attack? Damn it! So two good ones. Gensel has been just slaughtering the AHL. He's like well over a point per game. He's scoring pretty goals almost every single night. Um, he's not an AHL player. He's an NHL player. I think that's. Um, not very debatable at this point in time. Not anymore. <laughs> so, do I think he should be up? I do. I really do. I think you have a grouping of left wingers, and I think he could be one of them. You have uh, Shiri, who's playing really good with Crosby. Haglin and Kunitz, who both aren't really doing much on the offensive front, but possession-wise, they're still still fine. And then you have that litter of uh, Wilson and Kuhnhockel. And quite frankly, I have no problem with Gensel playing on what you would, you know, air quotations, fourth line minutes. Yeah. Um, he's going to play with Matt Cullen, who's pretty good still, I'd argue. Yeah. And if you take Eric Fair out of the lineup and put Kuhnhockel or Wilson over there, um, I like the idea of... Gensel, just getting NHL time. You could play him 10 to 11 minutes, and now you have a fourth line that has potential to drive play and score. 
Would you rather have Shiri or Gensel on the second power play unit? I know who I'd rather have. I, I would go Gensel just because I, That's, I, I yes. trust his hands more. Shiri has been tremendous, um, but he um, a little bit jumpy at times with the puck and jumping off his stick. I know some people um, it, it bugs some more than others, and don't get me wrong, it sucks when it does happen. But um, he's always creating the chances and in the spots, so I, I view that as the hard part. Yeah, no, 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 you're exactly right there. Look, it, there you know, Eric Fair needs to not play. Um, what he played against Toronto, I that was no idea, idea considering how fast that team is. That was a bad idea. I, that fourth line was I don't, completely I don't get that, like, neutered. They did nothing. After a stretch of, they were actually contributing. Yeah. No, so it's, it's one of those things, but... Um, I I think he'll make it was like Gerald Delaney came up with the same question with, with Gensel basically it was like do you think he'll lob up for the playoffs I think they probably will bring him up for the playoffs yeah I think so I mean you'll be pissed if you're replaced in the lineup but that's the reality and who's to say a left winger doesn't go down to injury it's hockey True. people get hurt me saying it doesn't change it. <laughs> Blame me if you want. Me saying it don't mean shit. But super impressed that they got um, a mid-round pick like Gensel, and he seems to be um, turning that corner. Is going to be probably a regular NHL player, and that's that's a win when you draft in that section. Is the ceiling higher? I don't know. We'll see. But right now he's tracking uh, very, very nicely, crushing the AHL. So, power play. So, well, that's what I was about to say. Come on. Let's go, coach. The five-on-three is not an issue for the Penguins any more so than it is for other teams around the league, except for, I think, Washington. I like what they do. Hey, what, Ovi, just, just fucking shoot this really hard a lot. <laughs> if the person blocks it, they're going to wish they didn't. If the goalie blocks it, probably the same. <laughs> or it goes in, or they... Like, here's the deal with a five-on-three. People are so worried about losing possession of the puck. The worst thing that's going to happen is the other team ices it down. Any competent NHL goalie is going to come out and wing it right back up to at least the red line, and you have a free zone entry. That's going to take 10 seconds off of your time, and that's not ideal. I get it. You know what else isn't ideal? Passing it around the perimeter for 30 fucking seconds with no shot attempt. That's worse, (laughs) in my opinion. Shot volume, shot volume, shot volume on a five on three. Especially, (coughs) he was talking Pittsburgh related. All right, you got Sid down low. Well, who's going to win a down low battle with Sid? Sid. So there's possession off a rebound battle. Who's going to tip it? Sid. Perfect. Who has a huge slap shot? Malkin. Okay, let's not overthink this. (coughs) Either the top guy on the umbrella is 
taking wrist shots through for Hornquist and Crosby to tip. If the guy gets in that shooting lane, move it over to Melkin. He'll figure it out. They just don't shoot. You haven't even mentioned, you haven't even mentioned Philby over on the left wall. Correct. He's not much of a one-timer guy, but same concept. Phil has the ability to create shooting lanes where he can A, score, or B, backdoor, snapshot pass. Or play patty cake for a full two minutes and don't do shit. I think that's the most frustrating part is when you see teams – Try to make that perfect play, like you said, and it's not—it's not needed. In this sport, <laughs> where goals are just scored, bouncing it off body parts and whatnot, the goalie—even if they freeze it—you got Sid, who's going to win it to the wall either side. You have five guys. You have a guy on the wall. Who knows if they—they they even put a guy on the wall? Let's say they do. Sid wins it to the wall. He immediately goes over there for puck support. To make it a two-on-one. You're going to win that battle more times than not. You're going to kick it to the point in the five-on-three penalty killers. They're not going to pressure up top because it would be stupid. So now you're saying You have time to collect. You can take the three to four seconds to collect yourself, but the 30, 40 seconds thinking, wow, maybe they'll give us this east-west passing lane right through the Royal Road. Well, no, it's a collapsed triangle. It's not going to happen that often. Just bombs away. I love Washington because Carlson, Ovi, they'll shoot. And I bet you Niskanen would too if he was in that spot. No need to overcomplicate it. As they often say, simple is often better. That's my five-on-three thoughts. And that extends to other teams. I see it all the time that you – just a lot of wasted time because they're afraid that the other team might ice it. And like I said, that's a 10-second problem. But teams would rather make it a 40-second problem. Five-on-four, you just need to find your two-on-ones. You need player movement. Um, I haven't had too much issue with their power play lately. I, with Latang. With Latang. It, it looked better when they got Hornquist off it. Well... Here are my thoughts on him for the power play. It's He, he has a very um, specific skill set. But he's not much for crafty passing, controlled plays, would you say? Uh, no. So rebound control, if he gets it, it's... It's kind of mashing it back towards the net. There's, there's not really collect and distribute. If I got Sid down low, um, it kind of a little bit alleviates the need for Hornquist. Not that he doesn't, like, his screens are great and all that. But I think sometimes they're, when he has the puck, it, it, can, it can die on his stick more often than maybe some other people. So within a perfect... Perfect environment. Hornquist does some awesome things. <clears throat> Outside of that, there are times where the plays die, but that happens with a lot of players. So true. Any more questions for you that you had lob into you? Uh, no. 
No. I have I've one left, and that's uh, from Frederick Hebert um, asking about the possibility of getting a team back in Quebec. We'll cover it. We'll cover it when we hit hit the end of the year. That sort of stuff's going to pop up all the time. They got an arena. Well, It'll probably happen. The NHL's not going to want 31 teams. No. And admittedly, it'll lopside the division, the conferences again, but they need to realign all that garbage anyway. Um, so, yeah, we'll discuss those sorts of ins and outs when we get to the dark days of uh, August. Well, sorry, the sunny days of August. Are they dark for you, winter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sun's up and down in between six and six, so it's it's dark early and it's 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 dark in the mornings. It's like yeah, right now like the sun's up at four thirty here and goes down at about you know eight o'clock. So it's great. I think ours Hit is winter. I think the winter solstice is uh, fastly approaching, or officially winter begins. So we're getting dark at around four thirty. In the afternoon. Yeah, so it yeah. sucks. Jeez. I go into hockey practice after school. The only sun I get during the day is on that drive, if there is sun. <laughs> so that explains why you're so pale in all your photos. Yep. <laughs> you're not supposed to say yes to that. <laughs> this time of year, yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. No, it's just, yeah. So we'll worry about those sorts of things when we get to the end of the year and, and that sort of discussion will come up. So we're not ignoring it. We're just delaying it. There's not really anything other than speculation for us to discuss on that anyways. Yeah, not right now. So, all right. Patreon.com slash Hockey Hurts to voluntarily contribute monetary resources to the podcast. HockeyHurts.com, Hockey underscore Hurts, at Walshy66 for Cameron, at Gunnerstall for me, HockeyBuzz.com for my Penguins articles. Um, yeah. So, that's it. Catch you next time. All right, see ya.